SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Kids, here we go. It is Sportsbook Radio. Brian Blessing and Stevie Slapshot ready to rock and roll with you from the KSHP studios in Las Vegas on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Series Channel 204. Hour number one on the network. Really good fun with Kenny White talking about the NFL draft. Follow me at Brian Blessing. We'll get the show link out for you. Tomorrow we're doing our... Well, we're going to be doing a little more of it today. But it becomes official, our final thoughts in our annual NFL mock draft show. But the good fortune we have, we will have the two hours to do it. And we'll be on locally and on the network tomorrow from 11 until 2 here in Vegas and our normal time on Sirius 204. So we'll have two hours to do our NFL mock draft show. Out at Sunset Station, the STN mobile app, you get a sign-up bonus up to $500. Chuck Esposito and I, along with Andy Isco, Mark Lawrence will check in. Mark's going to be coming on board with us in the next segment. PlaybookSports.com, he released his annual uh, mock draft this morning. So we'll compare some notes this morning and we'll dive into it. So we're going to have good fun the next uh, two days. We'll be out at Sunset Station Thursday and Friday. Friday, we recap round one, look forward to rounds two and three, and it is Kentucky Oaks Day leading into the Kentucky Derby, and we're doing a Kentucky Derby seminar Friday at 5.30 in the Race and Sportsbook at Sunset Station. We invite you to come on out if you're getting ready to play the Derby. I'll be out there with Chuck Riching from the Daily Racing Forum. Jerry Jay's going to be there, and maybe Hammer and Hank Goldberg. So we're going to have a lot of fun the next few days. Busy week. Going to be hitting the bricks here. But it's good to be here with Stevie right now. And Slappy, let me tell you something. The fun's already begun (laughs) in the NFL draft. It started with the Niners moving up to three. But now the Panthers and Broncos make a deal. You come running in the door before, and you're telling me, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. There's... It was either really dumb or really smart, and I'll tell you why. But go ahead. What was the deal? So uh, Carolina traded Teddy Bridgewater to Denver for a sixth-round pick. Okay. Carolina picks eighth. Yes. Denver picks ninth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now for Carolina, I guess my point is, could they not have made a deal and said, hey, this is a done deal? All right? The deal's done in principle. You have my word, mm-hmm. you know, if you trust each other. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you announce this until the 10th pick of the draft? You could sit there and teams, if it's the Patriots, go up for the Lions pick. Or if the Patriots say, we're going to go up and take Carolina's pick because Carolina's not in the market for a quarterback because they've got Darnold and Bridgewater that they would leapfrog Denver and Carolina could have hit a home run 
And Denver would be like, yeah, that's great. Go nuts. If Denver's not taking a quarterback, and now they're not because they got Bridgewater, or maybe they are, but Denver could sit there and go, if somebody trades up to take another quarterback, a great player falls in our lap. Why didn't they wait? That's a good question. Um, they were. I, I assume that they were already talking. So now the word out there is New England is talking to Carolina about that pick in case the quarterback New England wants falls <laughs> to that spot. It depends on who San Francisco picks now at three, really, as to whether New England goes up to eight. Uh, but the point is, for Carolina, New England would sit there. I mean, Denver could still take a quarterback. They could. They yes. could. Yes, they could. But you would almost deem it unlikely. It's less likely now. Right? Yes. So if you kept that under wraps, New England would give up a truckload of stuff to Carolina to get ahead of Denver, who they thought was taking a quarterback. That certainly is possible, Brian. That certainly is possible. But I'm sure there's talks behind the scenes that we don't know about. I still say Garoppolo's a patriot. I don't know how that's going to work out. Well, again, now the talk is, I, I got a feeling that New England likes Lance. And, and, if he's, and if San Francisco doesn't take him at three, that then they'll make that deal with Carolina and take Lance. If you held a gun to me. I'd like to. Yeah, why do I always tee up? <laughs> I think Lance is going three. Okay. I, I I can't buy Mac Jones as the third pick mm-hmm. of the draft. I'm with you there. And I can see him going into Belichick's system, and they'd be content with that. I don't know that Belichick's all about a guy running around making plays. He wants the, you know, he can say, Mac Jones will be my Brady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could see that too, Brian. I, you, know, you know what? So they had this podcast with the uh, San Francisco head coach uh, Shanahan and the uh, and the GM Lynch. Yeah, that was real important. Okay, and what they said was, there are five guys that we like, that we could take any one of them. You uh, are you buying that? You're no. not going to no. three unless you exactly. got a guy. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's like, why waste our time? It, Can't you just be I, forthcoming? I, I know. So I so Or just say, no, we've got a guy. I got a feeling, I I think I'm with you, Brian, there. I think the Niners take Lance at three. I think Lance goes. I think Garoppolo goes to the Patriots. And then who knows what happens. Hey, we're off to the races. More on the NFL Draft with Mark Lawrence coming up next on Vegas Sportsbook Radio. What is the winning edge? It's... SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Vegas Sportsbook Radio with Brian Blessing on SportsGrid Radio. Sirius XM Channel 204. All right, back with you on Sportsbook Radio in Las Vegas. Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. Hey, let's have some fun. It's been a couple of weeks of talking about this because you can bet on this stuff now. The indexes are out there. I do like the under four and a half cornerbacks taken in the first round. And I bet on the over 18 and a half offensive players in the first round. I think there could be some deals at the bottom end of the first round that will be get the offensive players over the top. 
I think I think uh, there's four locks. I think for DB, it's the right number, but I don't think the fifth guy goes till the top of the second round. So, Mark Lawrence, PlaybookSports.com, put his mock draft out this morning. Uh, he'll be part of it. He'll do the Dolphins and Browns picks for us on our mock draft show tomorrow. But today, Mark Lawrence released his mock draft, and we welcome him to Sportsbook Radio down in South Florida. Hello, Mark. How are you, bud? I'm doing just terrific, Brian. Nice to see uh, the draft's going to be happening in my hometown, Cleveland, Ohio, tomorrow. And just in time to put the playbook mock draft out and find a blow-up right away with the trade the Denver Broncos made. Okay. Now, I want to ask you about that. On your mock draft, Lawrence 1, Wilson 2. We, we Everybody agrees on that. 3 becomes polarizing. You've got Mac Jones to the Niners. I'm of the belief it's Lance. Three is where this really gets interesting. Pretty much everybody is saying Kyle Pitts, the tight end, goes four to the Falcons. You've got Sewell from Oregon going to Cincy. I think they go to Chase. I think Burrow says, I want the guy that I threw to in college, and that may win him over. You've got Chase going to the Dolphins. If Chase goes, I could see the Dolphins getting Waddle. The Lions, you've got Waddle going there, the wide receiver from Bama. But here's where it gets interesting, because the trade that just happened. Uh, you've got, at eight, Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern to the Panthers. And you had Justin Fields, at nine, going to Denver. My question to you, and I just posed this query to Stevie. If... These two teams said, we trust each other and we have a deal in place on this Bridgewater thing. Why wouldn't both of them have been, unless one of them's still going to take a quarterback, why wouldn't they said, we'll announce that at pick number 10 and then let everybody think we're still both in the market for a quarterback. Carolina could have hit a home run with somebody trading up to get ahead of Denver because they thought Denver was going to take a quarterback. Carolina wins, and Denver wins because a great player falls into their lap because somebody came up to take a quarterback. For the life of me, unless one of those two teams is still taking a quarterback, why would you announce that today? Why would you announce that trade today? Yeah. Well... All I can see here, Brian, is Denver now living with the reality that perhaps Rashawn Slater, Penny Sewell may be there for them. I mean, they can fortify that offensive line, which is, I think, going to be their intent anyway. Right now, at this point, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what they could have done other than holding off on something like that. And what else would Carolina have done other than that? Carolina is not in the quarterback market. Uh, you know, they got a big need on that offensive line, the Carolina Panthers do. In fact, I think both of these two teams do right now as we speak. So yeah, I don't know what you know. the reason they announced this here today is other than there may have been a, uh, something beneficial to them by not doing it, and I just can't yeah. figure out what would have been beneficial. What well, would have been beneficial? I know. I mean, I, to me, you keep it under wraps if you trust each other it, on the premise that you both feel it's a win-win situation for both of you unless – one of them still in the market for a quarterback, which makes this thing wild. The crazy, the other pick that I think turns into a nut bar spot, Mark, is seven with Detroit. Because I think Detroit would absolutely be in play. 
for somebody to come up ahead of these two teams to take a quarterback. And to me, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with Lance going three. And you know, Fields, I think, is a real polarizing guy. I you know, something always crops up right before the draft. They say he's been dealing with, with epilepsy. Right. Well, he's played football with this thing for how long? Um, so I don't know that's going to scare anybody off. I think I think it's seven. Somebody goes up and throws throws the sink at Detroit to go up there and get Fields if he's not gone at three, or to go get Trey Lance if he's not gone at that point. Exactly. Either. The Niners the control field. the whole damn thing. Yes, they do. And what if, like I said last week, <laughs> what if they take Kyle Pitts? Then look out, everything is. Game over. You know, just go figure everything. <laughs> Here's something to consider, boys. Peter King, who has all kinds of NFL connections, on his mock draft had Lance at number eight for Carolina. So maybe he knows something, you know, behind the scenes we don't know, and maybe that's going to happen anyway. I will say this to you. I do believe all these guys, as hooked up as they are, Nobody's getting anything out of these guys when okay. it comes to the draft. The only thing you ever got that you could take to the bank, and literally they were calling him five minutes before the pick, was Chris Berman would get the Bills pick. And he always had it right because they were calling him, telling him this is what we're doing. It was like a goof and a gaff and a gimmick. That- but but other than that, it's all smokescreen. And, and in fact, if we were saying, remember, remember uh, the Eric Carlson thing when he was getting traded from the Senators? Yes. The smoke screens that was going on, Pierre Dorian was using the media in Ottawa to try to drive the price up. Honestly, right, Mark? I mean, all these writers, and yeah, they've got connections and contacts and stuff. But you know a lot of these GMs, they're going to use these guys for a smoke screen to try to get a better deal. Unquestionably, that's what their that's what their job is to do just that. You know, to you know, we we handicap games and look for value. They do the same thing when it comes to trading or drafting, and uh, you know they're not going to show their hand. Obviously, it's a game of poker, and they play it pretty good. You guys are right on all. I understand all that, but maybe that's the answer to your question, Brian. Yeah. Is that they're going to take Lance at number eight? Ah, that's amazing. It's such a, and we see this every year, Mark. And you said. Uh, how, how long has this been now? 117 of the 159 players selected in the first uh, first round. You've been hitting at a 72% clip of getting the guys in the first round. But you, it, where they land exactly is always the Rubik's Cube, right? Yeah, it's easy up front in the top of the draft, but God forbid in the second half of the draft it all falls apart, you know, because – you know, those players are, uh, you know, they're like beauty. They're on the eye of the beholder of the team at that particular point. So uh, we always see somebody fall off the map uh, who should have, we, everybody speculated to be an upper half draft pick and ends up not being. Uh, so the question here in this draft, and I'll ask you guys, who is the guy that falls the biggest in this draft in the first round? Uh, well, I got one guy. Well, I say Me. Jones. I, I think Jones. I, I'm not buying that. For me, it's Fields. I got a feeling Fields drops. I think somebody's still a love the kid. I think Jones drops. Honestly, the guy I think could drop. I mean, not a not a way 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 down, but just because of the nature of quarterbacks and wide receivers, I think Sewell actually drops a little bit. Mark. Yeah, from everything that I've been reading and putting that draft together, it appears to be that he is in the in the eyes of everything. Uh, just the fact that. Uh, he didn't play a lot of games. You know, he didn't give up a lot of sacks. I think he only gave up two career sacks when he did play. 
But, uh, you know, there's so many needs to be filled here, and it's my contention that uh, I'm going to go opposite you on the Cincinnati Bengals, and I know, I understand that uh, Jamar Chase would look awfully good paired up with Joe Burrow. It's awfully sexy, but they'd have to keep Joe Burrow upright first and foremost, and I, I, just, I really feel that they're going to reach for Sewell with that first pick, and then Chase falls to Miami. I think it's so much fun. All right, we're going to dive into the middle portion of the NFL draft in the first round. Mark Lawrence's mock drafts out, playbooksports.com. Kind enough to join us here on Sportsbook Radio. Don't forget our friends, John Smith Subs, 9701 West Flamingo. It's a game day. We're hockey gear in there. You get 10% off your order. And spin the wheel of Terrible Herbs. The $1,000 VGK prize pack is up there for grabs. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. Glad to be back with you here. Sportsbook Radio, Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot, Mark Lawrence with us from PlaybookSports.com. A lot of talk about the NFL draft coming up tomorrow in Cleveland. It's going to be great fun. By the way, Stevie, Stevie Slapshot Bobblehead Day. You like the song? Oh, I love the Jackson You got the head bob. Yeah. You got a thing happening. I like the Jackson 5. That's good stuff. That or you just like severed a vertebrae. Actually, all Motown. I'm down with all Motown. Hey, uh, we got Vegas Hockey Island. By the way, Ballpark Frank, our good friend, Frank Harnish, going to join us locally at uh, 1 p.m. Pacific time. Scott Farrell on the network at 4 Eastern. So Mark Lawrence is with us, based in South Florida. There was another deal today, Mark, that's pretty interesting. The... Miami Dolphins send uh, their starting lineman Flowers to Washington. Now, the Dolphins have four picks in the top 50. I don't know that it means Sewell could conceivably go to the Dolphins at six, or they can address it at some point, you know, relatively early on. They get another pick at, what is it, 18, Mark? Uh, at 18, yeah. At 18. But... You know, Redskins get a starting lineup alignment. Miami's paying six million dollars signing bonus to a guy that walked out the door. That's the other thing we got to take into account, Mark. Are these as a salary cap? Yeah, uh, you know, Miami, from what everything I read, did not uh, did not really benefit to the salary cap with that trade. On the surface, it appears that they did, but from what I read, they actually did not. A few million, you know, it's not hard to say a few million, but uh, it wasn't all of what it appeared. On the surface, so you still have to wonder exactly what the move was all about with Flowers moving. You know, he just come there, and now he, like a turnstile, he's headed uh, back up to Washington. So uh, I don't know if they'll address that with the 18th pick. Uh, you know, uh, they're the type of team that's going into the draft, drafting the best players available uh, in those slots. And, you know, and if they find in other players like a Micah Parsons or somebody like that that's available in that slot, they may go that route as well. If the Bengals, just out of curiosity, if the Bengals, well, first of all, at four, the Falcons, this Kyle Pitts kid, he better be, you know, Kellen Winslow all over again, a tight end to go four. 
I mean, everybody acts like the guy can't miss. I mean, from a rating perspective, is he as good as they're all projecting, Mark? Everybody seems to think so. I mean, you know, he's he's a wide receiver in a tight end's body who can block and uh, catch passes. And, you know, it's everything you look for in the National Football League these days. So he's the guy that everybody's got targeted here. And, you know, I think his over-under, correct me if I'm wrong, is like four and a half in the draft of where he'll go. Yeah. You know, and some people want to go over on that total here just because of the first three quarter or first three selections being quarterbacks. So he would then have to be that fourth pick, and anything can happen with Atlanta in that fourth pick. But uh, he does appear to be the real deal, and uh, uh, behind him there aren't that many tight, good tight ends in this draft. So you know he will be talked about, and uh, he'll be one of the players that I think will not disappoint when he's drafted here. The question I want to ask you guys is. Which of these NFL quarterbacks that go in this first round will figure to be the biggest bust? Whew. There's the $64,000 question. <laughs> yeah. I'm not buying Jones. I mean, yeah, all the guy did was win, but he's also throwing to two guys that are going ahead of him in the draft. Well, unless he goes three. Maybe I'm missing something, but it's the way the NFL is now where mobility is such a thing. And I'm not saying the kid's an absolute pylon. Um, if you held my feet, to, I mean, I, the jury's out on fields for me, too. Yeah. But I, Jones is the big question mark. I was going to say fields, Mark. I, I watched his pro day. And I know it's just one guy's pro day, and it's it's a guy in T-shirt and shorts, you know, throwing balls long. but. He he didn't. I don't know. His his movement looked odd to me, and he didn't seem to have a really strong NFL arm. So I so again I, I he's a lot more cerebral though than he gets credit. He okay. goes through his progressions. Okay. Um, he's he's not like Haskins. I mean, he, honestly, Fields he is mobile, but he is more of a pocket passer than the other guys. So the short answer is, I have questions about Fields and Jones. Let me throw one back at you, Mark. The Dolphins at six, and everybody, everybody's got them penciled in, taking a wide receiver. And I'm wondering, and I'm not, and I'm not just saying this because they made the deal today, but if they made the deal today, could it conceivably have been that the deal was a where there's smoke, there's fire, that they're sitting there saying they're convinced that the Bengals are going to take Chase and re and hook Burrow back up with his LSU wide receiver, and Chase is the guy they love. If the Bengals take Chase, could the Dolphins not take Sewell there, get the best lineman in the draft, arguably, and then at 18 come back with a Bateman or a Marshall or one of the other wide receivers that's really good and maybe not graded that far below you know, the wide receivers that are at the top, so they get the best lineman and one of the best wide receivers. Doesn't this give them some wiggle room? That is the best move that they can make, Brian, that scenario you just laid out. Uh, if Penny Sewell fell to them at number six, uh, Tua Viola, more so perhaps maybe even than Joe Burrow, needs protection. I mean, he's, he's slight, he's injury-prone. Uh, and you know they're going to build everything around Tua. Well, building everything around Tua starts uh, starts on the wall, starts at the line of scrimmage, and I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Penny Sewell ends up being that player that does come to Miami. Now, of the other wide receivers that would fall down there, and you know we've got a, a good amount of wide receivers that could do just that. 
the question is, will they go that route for that wide receiver? Or, you know, will they fill a need, which they have? They have a big need for uh, a, a, an, edge, an edge rusher. Uh, so maybe they'll likely address that at the number 18 slot. But the scenario you laid out is a perfect scenario for Miami to have Sewell fall on their lap and get their receiver at number 18. All right, let me just throw this at you. The Raiders are at 17, and you've got Trevon Morig, the safety from TCU, going to the Raiders. I've got Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech, who's had some injury issues going to the Raiders. So we're both identifying the secondary for the Raiders. But Mayock proved to us in the last couple of drafts where he went way off the board and took the Pharrell kid at four. But the wild one was taking Arnett from Ohio State, who they don't care. They love the kid. But everybody's mock drafts had, that was a guy you could have gotten the middle or bottom of the second round, and they took him in the first round. So Mayock's going to take who he likes. Everybody else be damned. But that could derail the whole draft. And and I'm not saying it's going to be Mayock that does it. One one goofball pick, and this whole thing unravels. Well, the second half of the first round unravels, yes, at that point. And, you know, the question then becomes, you know, what is Mike Mayock's uh, tendency? Uh, is he much like the Cleveland general manager, Eric Berry? He just loves Alabama football players. What is Mike Mayock's tendency? You know, what does he like? Does you know, does he like players from a preferred school or a, or? A I think conference? I think Mike Mike Mayock and I, and God bless him. Mike Mayock likes Mike Mayock's opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's right. I mean it. I I, I agree. No, that, that's not a bad thing. No, no, no. He's a, he's a smart guy, and and I know that there are guys that, that do, as Mark suggests. You know, they like certain schools. You know, Alabama, LSU, whatever, and and they'll go after kids from those schools. I think Mayock just looks at the best guy at the position he's at and takes that guy, in Mike Mayock's mind. But Mark, you you alluded to this, right? I mean, and you know your brownies. I mean, we were talking on the phone today. And he's not the only guy that does it. Uh, you, you were calling me. We were talking about the Bills. I'm like, please, for the love of God, don't – don't. Oh, he may end up being a Hall of Fame player, but I'm like, don't take Travis at the end, please. The Bills have taken five Clemson guys in the first round. The only guy that was good was Jerry Butler back in 1980. You know, since then, Perry Tuttle, uh, Shaq Lawson. Uh, my God, I mean, guy after guy after uh, C.J. Spiller. Nothing. Sammy Watkins was a nothing burger for them. Please stay away from Clemson. <laughs> well, you Clemsoned me out on the Buffalo Bills selection when I, after I talked with you, Brian, because I did have ETN slated there. Be I thought it'd be an ideal complimentary running back with Singletary and another weapon for Jason Allen. But uh, what happened? I ended up uh, taking him out and inserting Christian Barmore. The defensive lineman in his place, who uh, has a lot of tremendous physical talent, uh, and but he's rumored to be slipping. And one of the reasons he's rumored to be slipping is that they say he's not very coachable. He's just the kind of a guy that uh, doesn't receive coaching very well. Kind of wants to do things on his own. But a tremendous talent. But I did use the Clemson rule and avoided uh, ETN with the Buffalo Bills on your behalf. Well, I'm going to go with the Blazing Saddles way to coach this guy. Like Mongo likes cookies, like. Go get that guy. <laughs> Have you seen this this guy? He's a monster. Oh, he is. He, you know, a, a physical monster. Exactly right. And the fact that you were a five-star recruit at Alabama certainly doesn't hurt any at all either. All right. Um, so 
we 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 got about a minute, real quick. What do you think your Browns do? We'll we'll come back. We got more to dial in. We can go deeper on it, but real quick on the Browns because they they get uh, they get the bookend defensive ends now. Yeah, they do. So what they'll do is they'll build their secondary and they'll build their linebacking core. I think linebacking is a little bit more of a necessity. They have Grant Delpit from LSU, who was their second-round pick, could have been a first-rounder last year, got hurt right out of the get-go. He'll be healthy to start the season. So the secondary is already uh, one step up that way. And I'd be surprised if they don't focus on a linebacker. And I've got them with Zayvon Collins, the Bronco Nagurski linebacker from Tulsa, as being the Browns' first-round pick. All right, one more segment with Mark Lawrence. Thanks for his time. Sports.com. We're talking about the NFL draft. It's tomorrow. This is going to be great. It's already started. It's already hey, started. Oh, you're right. It has started. Uh, hey, Golden Knights, big game tonight. When the Golden Knights are on the power play, social media, go to Adam S. Kuttner. You get a chance to win ducats to a future Golden Knights hockey game. Two weeks from today, Steve. Your regular season ends. Yikes. All right, coming right back to Vegas. We do this 24 hours a day. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sirius XM Channel 204. Back with you, Sportsbook Radio, Brian Blessing, Stevie Slapshot. You had, you're easily amused, right? Yeah. And you hang out with I me. I do the show with you. Yeah. yeah. This is fun, isn't it? It is. I'm going to be sad when this one's gone. I mean, the, talking about the draft, it's. It, yeah. It's, you know, a lot of throwing darts, but having some fun and speculating. But let me bring Mark Lawrence back into the fray. What's really cool about it, Mark, and the draft has always been cool. Honestly, I love Friday just as much as tomorrow night because the guys you're getting in the second and third round, these college kids, younger and, you know, the underclassmen that come out early, these guys are so much more prepared to be impactful players as rookies that, honestly, I mean, you, some teams are going to find starters in the fourth and fifth round. Well, what I think you're going to find, what I like about the second round, as you mentioned, Brian, is uh, you'll find players that, are being selected that will have chips on their shoulder, you know, that thought they were going to be a first-round selection or should have gone much higher than where they did land in the second round. And, you know, you get really, really focused with football players like that, and they're the guys that end up being the surprises. And it's one of the things I love doing the most with this draft is, aside from tearing it apart to begin with, is looking at day two to find out, who was bypassed in round one and why, and look to see where they settle. Because when you grade a team's draft at the end, it's always about not only the first round of selections, but how everything else filled out to fit the roster need. And if you've got a player fitting your roster need that is hungry and angry and has that chip on his shoulder, I think football teams really benefit from that. You know what, Mark? I mean, it's such a great point. I can speak from experience. was surrounded by it every day for the, the, the entirety of his career. One of the greatest with a chip on his shoulder was Thurman Thomas. When he fell into the, he fell into the second round, don't get me started. He should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Back to back years, he broke Jim Brown's all purpose yardage. I mean, that mark stood for God knows how many years, and they went to four straight Super Bowls. But he had such a stone in his shoe 
that he lasted as long as he did, and he thought about that every time he put cleats on. Well, that was his motivating drive, unquestionably, and you know, I think that's un- I don't think it's arguable that the biggest person that fell with the biggest chip on his shoulder had to be Tom Brady, obviously, sure. sixth round pick, you know. But uh, I do. I, I really look forward to the second round, and, the, and then the third round is just filling in, uh, all, all doing much of the same thing. But uh, that's when they really filled their, their, their rosters in throughout the course of that third round. The real Rubik's cube is here with the infatuation, and understandably so. And all the swings and misses on quarterbacks. But this year, the run on wideouts, you throw a tight end up at number four. Um, I guess the Harris kid maybe is the guy. He's going to go to Pittsburgh. It would seem most people have that pegged. Etienne's a question mark. But offense, offense, offense. These teams that are stocked now and were the teams that were the cream of the crop last year, there's some defensive monsters and offensive linemen that are falling in their laps. Unquestionably, uh, you know, it's uh, like Stevie said, he likes the over for the offensive side of the equation here. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of that in the first 10 or 11 selections, and then I think they're going to start hitting on, on the defensive side of the football. Uh, so you're going to go to where the strengths and obviously, you know, where everybody has these players targeted the highest. But, uh, you know, once we get through the run of quarterbacks, I think that's when the draft really begins. There is a guy you were asking about who may drop. You nailed a guy here, and I, I want I want my meat hooks on this guy so bad, and it would be a luxury pick as a Bills fan. But he he could go in the second round, you know. But you've got him going twenty two to Tennessee. I think Rashad Bateman from Minnesota is a wide receiver. I think this kid is going to be an absolute beast at the next level, and you know. You've got him as higher than anybody I've seen. I mean, believe me, I think he, I think it's warranted. I think he's that good. But with the run up the position, he's a guy. If he doesn't go like somewhere like there, God only knows where he goes. But watch out for this Bateman kid on Sundays. Yeah, he's he's the real deal. And you know, uh, what the reason I slotted him with Tennessee is, you know, they lost Corey Davis in the offseason, so it's a big, big fill for them with a really, really talented uh, wide receiver. Is a Blitnikoff. Uh, a finalist last year, football season here, and I think uh, you know I think it would be money well spent to go after a football player like that. And there's a player that I did not use in the first round that I just feel in my gut is going to be a tremendous National Football League wide receiver, provided they keep him healthy. And that's the kid from Purdue, Rondale Moore. Yep. Um, you, well, you, know, you, you, talk, you talked about him uh, last year when we were doing the conference previews, and you said. This kid's the best wide receiver in college. I mean, you talked about him, uh, you know, like he was Jerry Rice. Honestly, no, you said watch out for this guy. And and he, you know, injuries were kind of a thing for him, and that's the red flag. But if he, you're right, if think about a guy like that, what what he was in line to be, and injuries kind of put him on the shelf. But what there, and he'll have a chip too, Mark. He'll have a major chip, uh, especially you know if he slips out of that first round here. And I wanted so bad to put him with uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and the Packers, you know, just to give Aaron, give him and hit the wide receiver, you know, the that impetus that he's been looking for and never been uh, getting in the past. But you know, when you when you still have your biggest need being a cornerback, and there's still some good ones left, you you just have to kind of do what you're supposed to do, and you know, 
pick that next the best player available. That's why I opted for Caleb Farley over Rondale Moore. But uh, I still feel Moore will go early in the second round, and I think he's going to be an impact player in this league. One guy in your backyard. I, I got to get your read on this because here's the other real wild card, and that's Jalen Phillips, the defensive end from Miami. You know, he was at UCLA. It's supposed to be the, the next best thing. Then injuries, time and time and time again to the point where he said, I'm done, I'm not playing football anymore. Goes to Miami, he comes back, and he's an absolute monster. And some teams, the red flags, you wonder, is his heart in it? And it's a bit of a boomer, a bust thing. But he could go rocketing up the ladder, Mark, or he could go sliding down the ladder. But if his mind's right, he he's a monster. I think he becomes tremendous late first round value, and I don't think they'll let him slip into the second round. Uh, remember, in uh, when you, you got you go back to high school with him when he was in high school, he was the top ranked five star recruit at his position in high school. The kid is really a stud. He checks every box that there is. Uh, the question is uh, obviously the motivation factor here for him, but just imagine if Jacksonville, who I have impaired with, ends up selecting him and they walk away with Trevor Lawrence and Jalen Phillips. I'd say that they feel two mighty big needs. Uh, what will Mer- Urban Meyer have done if he can land Jalen Phillips in that football team? So last night, boys, I spent some time doing a deep dive into the NFL draft, and you know, one team really stood out to me, the Dallas Cowboys. They've got like five, six picks in the first three rounds, and Jerry Jones, of all people, is talking about defensive players. They brought in Dan Quinn, who had that great defense up in Seattle. If they hit on like two, three of those guys in that division, they can turn their fortunes around like right now. They can, uh, and, and it wouldn't be hard to do so, Stevie, in that division in which they live. You know, anybody that can improve in that division is going to be a contender to win the division. Uh, you know, Dallas being one of those teams, and I'd be stunned if Patrick Sertain is, is is available and Dallas doesn't make him their first pick in the first round. He just solidifies the cornerback position for them, and uh, then they can go work on that uh, that linebacker or the defensive lineman or the safety. But I, I'm with you; they're going to concentrate almost uh, almost. Uh, not three 100 percent but the majority of their selections when you add them up at the end of the draft will be on the defensive side of the football mark like anything their guys know how to do this and guys that mess it up all the time (laughs) and (laughs) you know i mean and they all look good on paper the crazy thing is at least there are no combine babies this time around where you know, somebody's, some guy running around in shorts with no pads, and oh my God, look at him! Did you see how high he jumped up and knocked that little tab off the mooring? <laughs> like, who the hell cares? Can he catch? You know, does he have yeah, a really? brain? Um, but it's a real challenge this year for these guys because of a very, I would say, would you call it a depleted sample size for the most part in terms of their ability to really be hands on with these guys. Well, I think it, it, it's a wide-open affair is what it becomes. And, you know, when we find some of these players that may have even been a third-round thought that go late in the first round, it's going to be because of reasons like that, because there was no combine of which everybody had their grades to know what they did, and it was obvious. But, uh, you know, now it's more and more on the scouts, uh, how deep these team scouting staffs are, because that's what's going to end up being improving the success in this draft. And uh, I think the guys that do that job best, scouting these football players are going to end up finding the plums in the draft. So you're working on the Playbook magazine, and I love the magazine. 
It's all right there, right? It's right at your fingertips. And it's not over the top. It's it's perfect. I love it. And you got to get the print with this thing. So clearly you're waiting for this draft. But we're sitting here talking about how impactful these young players can be. How has it altered the way you compile the magazine, the importance of the draft, which has always been important. I just think the depth that you get out now, they're much more than role guys. I mean, I'm thinking every team should become, is this a fair way of looking at Every team should be looking at, I'm getting at least three starters out of a draft. That's the salary cap era. Well, at the end of the draft, you know, we'll put a, a, a grade book together on the teams, and it will be what it will be. You know, we'll, the teams that did the best job obviously will be acknowledged. The teams that slipped up the most will be called on. But I think the biggest corollary part of the NFL draft is the fact that the NFL schedule is coming out in mid-May this year. That's going to set the Playbook magazine back a week or two just on that alone, because these schedules in the past have been were available more times often than not before the draft. So now we have to wait till mid-May for that this year, so it's going to really push us back from a time point scheduling standpoint. And uh, I don't know why they're taking so long, maybe milking the clock, if you will, you know, for the exposure, let the draft play itself out and then get to the schedule. But uh, So I just discovered that this morning my editor said to me, we're going to need to push this back a week here with this NFL. We're not even going to schedule till the middle of May, and they have to be able to then go in and break all those down. So, you know, everything... And and on top of it, you got a 17th game to deal with. And, on top of it. And, and exactly. to see how that all shakes out, who that extra game is, where it falls, when the buys fall. Uh, another piece of the Rubik's Cube that's going to be a little different. Yeah, I'm just, I'll am just. i be curious to see what Jay and the group, uh, the guys at, over at the Westgate do with these totals with that extra game on the schedule. Uh, you know, obviously it's going to be dependent upon the opponent they play, but uh, you know, which teams are going to be pushed up a little bit, maybe too high because of that, or uh, which teams are going to be overlooked because of something like that. So I'm sure that the season win total guys are drooling right now, waiting to see exactly what those are going to end up being. Mark, PlaybookSports.com. Tell about the magazine that's on the way, the coffee club, the midweek alert, the newsletters, all the good stuff that's coming. Hey, football's coming. Yes, football's on the way. We're looking forward to that draft. We're going to rock it in Cleveland, which, by the way, will be the nickname of the new Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Rockers. I bank on that. But nonetheless, everything available online at playbooksports.com, where you can order the magazine online at playbooksports.com. Great stuff, Mark. And listen, we'll chat with you tomorrow, let you make those Dolphins and Browns picks for us. But thanks for taking time today. Hey, my pleasure as always. You guys take well. CBB good. Take care. Take care, Mark. All right, we're coming back. Take it to the top of the hour. Stevie's going to get you ready on the injury front. And we'll wrap up this edition of Sportsbook Radio. Don't forget Treasure Island, the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Sports Bar. Tony Neville's a good man, and that's a good place. You want to check it out if you're coming to Vegas. We're coming right back on Sportsbook Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid Radio.
Back with you on Sportsbook Radio. Time for the injuries. Stevie always hooks us up. Brought to you by Uzu CBD Plus. Y-U-Z-U. CBDplus.com. You've got the lotions, the gummies, the chocolates. If you've got joint pain, manage that pain the all-natural way with Uzu CBD Plus. Use the promo code BLESSING, 10% off your first order. Free shipping orders of $100 or more. Fire away, brother. Pretty good list today, Brian. Let's see how many I can get in here. In the NBA for Utah, two guys out. Mike Connolly with a hamstring issue. Donovan Mitchell still out with the ankle issue. No timetable on him. Both guys missed the game tonight against the Sacramento Kings. For Cleveland, Colin Sexton still out with that concussion. He'll miss the That's game tonight terrible. against Orlando. For the Clippers, we got two significant injuries. Nothing for you! Uh, Kawhi Leonard with a foot injury. Doubtful tonight against Phoenix. Nick Batum, a shoulder injury. He left the last game. He's questionable tonight against the Suns. We'll move to the NHL, where for Pittsburgh, Evgeny Malkin. Lower body injury has been cleared for full contact today and will travel with the team to Washington. Questionable for that game tomorrow against the Caps. Uh, For uh, Nashville... Battling for a, a four spot in the central. This is Arvidsson, undisclosed injury, uh, injured last night. He's now questionable for Saturday's game against Dallas. And for Colorado, this is significant because they go against the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. That's terrible. Bednar said that he's hopeful that Grubauer, Rantanen, and Donskoy will be available on Friday, meaning those guys are out tonight against the Knights. Finally, in Major League Baseball, have you bias for the Cubs? Hamstring injury. MRI revealed it's a grade one strain, which is mild, so he may stay off the IL, but doubtful tonight against Atlanta. Okay, this morning on the Zoom deal, I asked Pete DeBoer, regular season ends into two weeks for you. Mm-hmm. Another week to go for the Canucks after that. If you've been given any indication that there's a layoff, oh no, we haven't heard anything, but we don't expect there to be a long layoff. Okay, I don't think the league shuts down waiting for the North Division. We're going to talk about that. Vegas Hockey Outline. Frank Harnish is in studio with us. KSHP.com. Listen live function there. Scott Farrell's next on the network. Next two days, we'll be out at Sunset Station.